Thanks for tuning in to Upward Way Podcast. If you're looking to be spiritually blessed, moved, and inspired, there is no doubt you are in the right place. On our show, guests recount their encounter with Christ and how their lives have been transformed through the grace and love of God. And now, please welcome our host. Hello and welcome to Upward Way. I am your host, Marlon Walters. My guest today is a dedicated young man. He's an aerospace engineer from Kenyatta University and serves as the first elder of the Kenyatta University Church. He now works at Invisible Technologies, Inc. as a data administrator. Brian Onyango, welcome to the Upward Way. Thank you so much. I really appreciate for the invite that you've given me today so that I can have a conversation with you. I really appreciate and may God uh, be with you. Thank you, Brian. And it's really a joy having you on our show to share with our listeners your faith experience. Could you just walk us through your faith journey, sharing with us how it is that you came to be a Christian? Wow. <laughs> Thank you so, uh, so much, uh, Marlon. How I became to be a Christian. Can I say by birth? No. We don't come to be Christians uh, by, by birth, even if we are, but not good ones. I was born and raised in an Adventist family. Most of the time I spent in my grandparents' home, the side of my mom, of where uh, I was raised uh, in the church, in the Adventist, from all the ranks, all the way from adventurers, all the way up to um, the youth structure, up to where I am now. I can say that we might have disparity on uh, those who have been raised in the church and those who are came into the church from other denominations or from not being Christians at all. But as I was raised, there are sometimes that if you don't fully understand why you are in the church, then it becomes so difficult that their sense of being in the church, and you may end up being in the church because your parent is there or your family is there, but you don't know the actual reason why you are in the church. So basically, I can say that I came to fully realize why I'm in the church at around an age of 12 or so when I was baptized. I was baptized at a very tender, tender age when I really came to fully realize my purpose in church and what God expected me to do in the church. I started teaching other children about the scripture, sharing the stories in the scripture, especially the Old Testament stories. And I remember there's a preacher who came to the church, was the guest speaker that day, and he asked me, young man, I see you are teaching so well, you are young, yeah. But have you been baptized? Have you considered being baptized? I said, no. Then uh, he arranged with the, the elder of the church. And um, I later on went and I got uh, baptized. And at that moment, at that point, I think I fully understood what God was calling me to. And uh, from that moment, I started having a journey with Christ and enjoying doing God's work. I really enjoyed preaching. My first sermon uh I preached when I was around 12 or 14, somewhere in, in between there. And it was great. It's someone that I can remember up to date, even if I can forget so many someone I've have across here. But that first one, I cannot forget. My journey with Christ has not been an easy path. Christianity is not easy. It's not an easy path. It's a, a difficult way, but the best way. So there's a moments in life that I can say my level of attachment or my closeness with God depreciated or went down 
especially in high school. In high school, I went to a school that was not related in faith with Adventism. So there are some instances that we are, we are being pushed to go to school and it's on a Sabbath and uh, not having that latitude, having that opportunity to go to a church on a Sabbath and so on. But in one way or another, God helped me to navigate all this until uh, I finished high school and came to university. When I came to uh, university, it was not an easy because I was still in that trend of high school where my Christianity level is very difficult to measure. But as in, an individual, you know when your closeness with God has depreciated or has gone down. So when I joined campus in year one and my year two, I was never such active. I was never such person to be seen in the church. Because the church at Kenyatta University is a very vast church. You have a membership of around 3,000. And um, I came there and, and asked myself, what input will I, will I bring in here? I'm just coming from a rural setup. I'd been singing uh, with the hymnal of my local language. I've never sung with an hymnal of English. I've never had any people talk about Ellen G. White. I'm wondering who the, who the hell might this be? This is my first time I'm hearing about Ellen G. White. This is the time I'm hearing Conflict of Ages series. I'm hearing people quoting SOP here and there. And somehow I was lost in between. I thought that I was out of the place. So the first two years of my life, in campus were never dedicated to doing God's work in a way that God expected me to do. By that time, I could come to church every Sabbath. I really loved lesson. I'm a lesson teacher. I think that's the most the part of the church that I enjoy most. I could come very early at the lesson classes and wait for the sermon. And then after sermon, I could disappear. By that time, I loved watching games. So, you know, games in the Kenyan time, uh, English Premier League, they happen in the afternoon. So if the someone speaker goes past one, it could be very difficult. Why can't I finish very fast? I want to go and watch Arsenal versus Manu. I want to go and watch this, this and this. And that was the trend. Until it reached a moment in my life that I reflected back that back at home, people knows me and some even calls me pastor. Some associates me as a, as a preacher and evangelist. And here in campus, I'm not practicing that. When I go back home, I'm a youth leader. But here in the university, I'm not. Then I reflected all this upon me and I say that I've stepped away from God so far. So what I did just to culminate all this uh, story, I decided that I want to go back to where the rain started being. I want to trace the old way, Max. A day in the verse past in the evening, our associate chaplain was preaching. He made a call and I say, yeah, my Lord, I'm coming back home to do your work. I surrendered myself once again to be baptized, and I got baptized. That is 2018, around May. So when I got baptized, I went to one of the ministries within the church, and uh, that's where I started another personal group. That's where I picked it from where I'd left it from a long time ago. So I started reading the Bible in deep details. I started reading the SOPs that I've never met. I started, I think my first book to read was The Great Controversy was marvelous. At the end of reading that book, so many things opened up for me. When I went into this group, there's a lot of spiritual growth that happened in between there. Within a few months, I was given some leadership responsibilities. I remember I was made the secretary of that of that group. Towards the end of the year, I happened to be given another opportunity in the church to be part of the nomination committee. And I was assigned after that nomination, I found myself as head of the missions in the church. 
And let me just tell you this in one minute. Kenyatta University Seventh-day Adventist Church is known for missions. And we do missions around 15 or 20 sites in one uh, particular moment. So in a year, we go for the missions twice or thrice. That's the time that the COVID was not there. But that time, I've never gone to any mission. So think of this scenario. I'm being given that responsibility to lead this department, and I've never been there. I don't know how this thing works. And literally, I've no any idea how these missions are being run. That is the time I went to God and told God, you must at the beginning or you're opening ways for me. But I told God that this thing I'm going to do is not mine. This is yours. Now use me the way you want to use me. And I can tell you that all that year I served in that department, it was eye-opening. And the work that I allow myself for God to use me to do was marvelous. And it was, it, I can say that God used me and the church to do a good work there. And I found myself as well in the following year being an elder. From global mission, I was nominated to being an elder, not just an elder, nominated to first elder. Ordinarily in the church, people are being, let's say, use the word promoted, but there's no promotion. Let's say I picked from an elder to being first elder, but this someone who has not been an elder, does not know how, how these things are being run, now being the head of the team and the head of the church, a congregation of 3,000 people. Personally, I think that God has used me and God has constantly shown me that there's a greater things that he can use me to do, a greater purpose that I may not even imagine. That's just a summary I can say from my childhood up to where I am. <laughs> Marvelous. And uh, there are so many things I can pick out from what you have said. Let me just start with the first part. So you'd have been brought up in an Adventist home. So at a tender age, you were about 12 years old. That's when you really you take, make a, an official commitment to giving your heart to, to Christ. So I could ask, based on that experience and the experience of others, why is baptism you know, such an important thing in the life of someone who says, okay, I'm a Christian? Why is it so important for us to formally get ourselves baptized? Let me start, first of all, uh, to appreciate the doctrine of baptism in the church. I can say it's not much more of um, what people see outside our church does a baptism different from other churches. And along the way, as Adventists, we have tried to teach people the right way of baptism that Christ talked about. Christ mentioned that for you to go to heaven, for you to see his father, you have to be born again. That's where the baptism is coming in. Baptism in its essence is immersion. Baptism comes from the word immersion. And immersion from an English word is something being submerged, kind of. So baptism in a literal way, uh, a literal meaning to us is a public declarance that you have left your old ways and you are now accepting Christ as your personal savior. Here for an instance, I am a Kenyan. If I want to go to, let's say, uh, you come from uh, Jamaica. I want to go to Jamaica and I want to be a citizen of Jamaica. I have to be given an identity card. So when I'm given that identity card, I have to pronounce, depending on the laws there, I have to pronounce that uh, maybe I'm leaving being a Kenyan citizen if the country only allows one citizenship that way, and now being a Jamaican. That public declarance is the sense of baptism. But baptism is a process. It must first start with me, with you, individual, in your own heart. Because if it doesn't start with me, where I first meet Christ, and I give myself to Christ first, 
understand i surrender all to christ then it will have no essence i can say you will be walking to water as a, a dry sinner and coming out as a wet sinner so as much as baptism is a public declaration of your faith to christ you are now publicly saying that christ is my personal savior but it starts it does not start from the water it starts before the water peter preached and 3000 of people are baptized this guys first of all the bible records in acts 2 verses 37 it bible says that now when they had they were cut yeah that's the word i was looking for they were cut to the earth so these guys first of all appreciated and realized that they need christ to be their personal savior so that is why baptism is very crucial to us it shows us living the past accepting christ to be a part it is not only as you say a public declaration to say to the world okay i'm now with christ but it also speaks to your heart to remind you that you have made a commitment with god and to follow his example all the way you are mentioned during your high school years your personal struggle not being around that system of influence and um having classes or maybe missing classes on a sabbath or whatever was the full sum of that experience it caused your faith to you know depreciate just as much as sometimes or currencies you know depreciate but <laughs> going to university you were basically embraced into the faith and that, that is a part i really want to focus on you know the, the idea of a second chance because there are some individuals who whenever they slip up it's okay for them to slip up you know persons should be sympathetic but there are others when it's not them and another person slips up then they are very harsh but in your experience you know you were embraced by the church community and so why is this so important for members of the household of faith to put in practice that principle of embracing those who may have transgressed those who may have struggled or might have been struggling with their faith why is it so important for us to embrace those individuals in love as an individual and as a, a church leader there's one principle that i believe in that church is an hospital of sinners if someone comes to an hospital that he has malaria or cancer we look at the person away and tell him you know you are the owner of that malaria you are the owner of that cancer no so the moment we start treating people in the right way and appreciating the fact that church is where sinners are being washed to be a people of Christ then we will not have a problem by seeing the logs in other people's eyes so many things happen in church people error from pastors from elders church officials anyone in the church after all all of us are sinners so the art of embracing those who we may see that one or another their faith have slackened is a principle that all of us those who are in the church should appreciate let the church be a place where people find comfort place where people when they hear a sabbath has come when someone hear happy sabbath if the person feels that i am at home i've been wandering away the entire week but finally i am at home but if the church is a place where if someone goes on the sabbath and he feels like that that woman over there that man over there hates me that person over there is always in good terms with me then people will leave church people will leave the hospital when someone who is sick leaves hospital what happens to him he dies he dies you should dies the same same way to the church because a church as an hospital if a sinner comes 
is what we should do and what we should not do. What we should not do, one of them is to criticize them, is to see them as if they're superior sinners than us. We have to appreciate that we are, we are also sinners. There's no one who is, who is a superior sinner than me and you. We are all equal. So we have to have that attribute that Christ had that as much as he was in this world full of sinners, he was humble enough to associate with every person in whatever the level of society, be it economical level, be it a social level, every person Christ had a time for. And his call to us, especially the church leaders, that we have to embrace and develop this culture of putting church a ground where people may see Right. We should be embracing and picking from your words exactly, especially for those who are leaders, you know, as leaders, it's a duty for us, you know, or for them, depending on which side of the fence you sit on, to lead by example. Uh, Picking up from your story as well, going to Kenya University, you spoke about, you know, hearing persons quoting from the SOP and so on. And just for my listeners, when Brian mentioned SOP, it is really an acronym for Spirit of Prophecy. And these books are books written by Ellen G. White, who within the Seventh-day Adventist Church, persons accept her and her work as of a prophetic nature, and hence the title SOP or Spirit of Prophecy books. My question exactly is, you know, what book or books have you read that would have had the greatest impact on your life? And it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, SOP books, but any book, whatever that you'd have read, which would have had the greatest impact on your life. The greatest book that has ever had the greatest impact on my life is the Bible. It has literally turned my life upside down. It has literally, every day, if I read it, it is new. The message that we get there, I get there, is new. It's uplifting me each and every moment. Apart from the Bible, I mentioned a book earlier called The Great Controversy. It's one of the Conflicts of Ages series written by Sister White. It's a book that I can say showed me the struggle, the evidences, and times that men and women of God walked with God through thick and thin. And it's a book which if I read, it gives me hope, it gives me assurance, and it strengthens me to face or to be ready to face the challenges or the tribulations that await us or we meet each and every day. It's a wonderful book, a wonderful book that I will recommend to any person who have a time to read. You cannot, as an Adventist or any person waiting for the second coming of the Christ, after reading Daniel and Revelation, and reading your Bible, please grab a copy of The Great Controversy. Walk through that book. It will help you. It will really, really help you. So I've read so many other books, but uh, the Bible turned out. It is, it is, the, <laughs> it is the denominator. <laughs> it is the point of reference from all other books. Yeah. Yes. Many authors refer to it as the greatest book that was ever written. And of course, for me personally, there is no comparison. You, you have given a little insights into you know, how do you find strength? But I still have to ask, you know, how do you actively pursue your own spiritual growth? Thank you uh, so much. So I do that in uh, three ways. Most people do it in three ways, actually. (laughs) Through prayer, through study, the scripture, and through songs. So I spend time with God in prayer, spend time with God, study of the scripture. 
and spend time with God through worship by singing songs of praise as well. So those three help me to grow spiritually at the individual level. That's at the individual level. But there's something that I would like to say further. The art of sharing with others helps us to grow spiritually more and more. If I go and talk, share with my brother what I learned, if I go and, and, and share out, tell the people, tell the world what I've known of Christ, then it makes me, as much as I grow myself, I also increase the kingdom of God. Abel in his, uh, in one of his books, he mentioned about a Kwashiako Christian, someone who is just, you know, Kwashiako is where you have a very big tummy. You have a very big tummy, which means you are full of everything. You have a lot of scriptures in your head. You have a lot of SOP. You know all the songs, but you have never shared this to any person. How are you helping God's kingdom? No. You want to go to heaven alone? No. <laughs> so uh, I come to learn the importance of sharing, even in class and so on. The more you share something, the more you get to understand it much better. So that's one aspect that personally uh, I use to grow spiritually. You know, I, I really enjoy the latter part. I mean, I enjoy everything, but the latter part where you said by sharing, it is a principle that we sometimes overlook or a practice that we oftentimes overlook that when we share, we are indeed benefiting because our very own testimony, our very own words speak to us. And there's a little song. Maybe I know that I have the lyric down packed. I'm not too sure, but the essence of the song is love is something you can give it away. It comes right back to you. And there's a part of it which says it's just like a magic penny. You put it in your pocket, you don't have any. But if you spend it and give it, it comes right back to you. And you know that song you know, encapsulates everything that you have just said that by sharing, you become strengthened. Now, as a leader, you know, a youthful leader of a large church, a membership of about 3,000, you know, what would have been one of the greatest joys of leadership, and also what, what would have been one of the greatest challenges that you'd have faced with leadership. So if you can combine both or split it, the greatest joys or greatest joy, and also one of the greatest challenge that you will face as a leader. The greatest joy in leadership, personal as brand, is that I'm serving God. That gives me greatest joy, that I'm serving Lord, that I allow myself for God to use me. That has been the greatest joy to me as an individual, as well as a leader. The greatest difficulty as an individual, let us start with that individual, is allowing myself, how to allow myself to be used. The other way I can say, how to allow Christ to live in me. Sometimes, as a leader, I make decisions. Sometimes I lead, let's say, a board meeting towards a given direction that I may think in my finite mind, that is the best way. But it turns out that is not the best way. And it reflects in my mind that if I never allowed Christ to live in me, that decision could have been right. So there are some instances that, uh, as a leader that you meet these kind of challenges. People look up to you. When first years comes in, they always want to emulate your character, your deeds. They, you are being viewed uh, with that microscopic lenses, your moves, how you put on, how you dress, everything you do, how you talk, are you getting angry very fast? How do you solve conflicts in the church? 
there are people have perceptions that there's some things that you should not do or you should not have. People don't expect an elder to be poor. People don't expect an elder not to have coats and clothing. People don't expect an elder to get angry. <laughs> and after all, we are human. So my greatest challenge has been how to surrender myself so that Christ can live in me without interfering with his cause. Amen. Amen. That, that, is, that is very important. Now, how do you find balance, you know, with all of this? Yes, I, I know you started first during your undergraduate years. Now you have finished your studies. So to speak, you are working full time. So how do you really find balance in your own life? Uh, how do I find balance? God gives each and every person 24 hours in a day. How we use these hours depends entirely on us, not God. He gives us generously. Some decide to waste them. Some decide to use them productively. Some de- decide to use them and forget about God at all. So let's not go to that, but let's talk about myself. I use my 24 hours. I want to speak a little bit about when I was still in school. I finished schooling around one month or two months ago. I'm still serving the church as the, the church elder. We are supposed to, because of COVID, I not yet have the nominations. So at the point in, in school, I was serving as an elder. I was doing my course as, a, as an aerospace engineer. At the same time, I was working to support myself. So these are three things that I had to find a balance in all these things. Why was I working? I was working because it was the only way for me to survive. Maybe in my little bit of my, my background, I come from a, a single mom family. I've been raised by my mother. Hello, I say that I spent much, much of my time with my grandparents. I'm also the firstborn. <laughs> so it's this a, a point that all the benefits that were being given are asked to be transferred to the kids because they also, also need to be cared for. So as a person, you have to you know, figure out something very fast. Then by God's grace or by God's of mercies, I got a job uh, to work. Basically, we work uh, remotely online. I was, this company gave me a shift of eight hours work. So each day I have a shift of eight hours. I have to attend to church. I have classes running from 7 to 5 or 7 to 7 evening. That is 12 hours in a day. So Malone, I have 12 hours in class, 8 hours in work. That is uh, 20 hours. I have hours to distribute between sleep and church. Basically, what I can say that God led me through. I could strike a balance in that I could attend the classes. In between the day when I'm not having classes, rush to the library to read. Spend some 2 hours or 3 hours handling church duties. Go to Vespas and so on. And then by 7 in the evening, Kenyan time, sit down to start my shift, which goes to up to 3 a.m. Kenyan time. So from 3 a.m., I can catch some sleep up to 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning, start off a day again. So personally, I believe in hard work. I believe that when God gives you something to do, you have to do it to your perfection. In all this, in all this, I can't take credit of anything because God gave me good health. If you see all these kind of hours sitting down doing this, if God never gave me good health, God never gave, gave me energy, I could have not done any of them. I really appreciate God that he made all these things possible uh, for me. So balancing my time, I really appreciate God for that. Yes, they say that if you want good, I don't know if it's a universal phrase, but in my country, they said if you want good, you know, you have to experience a running nose situation. But in your case, the appropriate text, the appropriate scripture to apply would be, you know, consider the, the ant, thou sluggard. The ant is always busy, you know, going about his business. He has 
it's a fierce to run. So you striking your balance as you outlined, it's even difficult sometimes to grasp, and I'm sure it's even difficult for you sometimes to understand how it was possible. But God gave you health. Yeah. And, you know, looking at you, you don't look drained. <laughs> you don't look... <laughs> so I can see, you know, vividly the blessings of the Lord. I'm going back a little into your past as well. You know, you spoke about being in a single parent situation. What would have been maybe one of your greatest struggles that you face in life? And then what would have been your strategy for overcoming? Marlon, uh, as a, a human being, <laughs> I can say that we have so many struggles. So it might even be very difficult uh, for me to pinpoint, but I just want to give, illustrate this just using one instance or just uh, a short story about uh, my past. I mentioned earlier that I come from a single family. This single family resulted from a broken marriage. And there's nothing artful like a broken marriage, a separated parents, and the kid is being placed in between uh, to survive without one of the parents. So the greatest challenge that I can say that I have met in my, in my life is an abusive father. So when we were young, we were kids. The marriage of my mom and dad never worked. It was so abusive. My mom could be beaten in front of us, run away, cry. I still have marks around my body of beatings that I cannot really understand why I, I even, first of all, deserved them. And those days, those moments were really painful. I remember instances that I had to have assembled my siblings and escaped. My mother was beaten. She ran away, went back to their home. So my grandparents' home. <laughs> So uh, uh, as now the elder son, you know, the responsibility now dawns into you. I remember an instance when I had to run away, assemble one of three uh, siblings, convince them that we have to as well run because it's now getting too much. And there's a, a story that when sometimes I reflect upon how it happened, it really shows that God was with us at, at that moment. I remember we had a plan to escape may not go deep into that, but when we were escaping, there's a, a point that we had to cross a river because we're walking in the bush so that people cannot see us. There's a point that we had to cross a river and up to date, Malone, I cannot fully understand how we crossed that river. It was just like a, a Moses and, and, and the Red Sea. God enabled us to cross this river, go to the other side, pick um, a vehicle and travel back to my mom's mother's place. There's so many services in between there that were, were really troublesome for us as kids and were really tormenting and torturing us. Me, individually, it was difficult. But in all these difficulties, I can attest to you, Malone, there's no point in my life that I've ever prayed and talked to God and cried in prayers than those days. And sometimes when I sit down and I reflect, I ask God, God, can you just give me that faith I had then? I still don't have it back yet. It was a moment that I could pray unceasingly. I could pray and cry to God. And surely I can tell today that God had a plan. God had a plan for us. God had a plan for me. God had a plan for my family. And the plan has worked out so well in a manner that I could not comprehend, in a manner that I could not tell but each and every single day, I've been seeing God's glories upon us. I think most of my battles, or most of my instances, I've not worn them myself. God has worn them for me. 
Amen. And let me just tread pretty softly and, and delicately, you know. It, it reminds me of God saying, or the angels saying to Lot, escape for your life, you know, while they were there. And so you had to literally run. You had to literally escape that situation in order to get to a point where you could be safe. Now, if you could yeah. give thanks, you know, for one person, and I know it's difficult to ask for one person, so you could add more than one, but if you could give God thanks for one person or more than one person you have met along your faith journey or your life journey, in, in a sense, you know, who would that or who would those persons be? And maybe if you want to add, you know, why would this person or these persons be so important to you? Definitely and definitely one person that I can really attest that when I look to, I get motivated and strengthened and have that vigor to continue the journey is my mother. This woman has been with us and I could hear her praying for us and could even pray for the abusive husband, abusive dad, dad that we had. And from all that time, she has never looked back. She has walked with Christ. She has showed us the path, her sons and, and, and daughters. They have shown us the way. There's no moment that my mom, I think, there's no moment that she has ever questioned God because she has delicately served God. She has served God, Malone, and we have seen our prayers and our dedication and our trueness to service of God being a source of blessing for us. Sometimes when I'm low spiritually, you know, sometimes I, I feel I don't even have energy to pray. I know in the back of my mind that my mom has prayed for me and my mom is praying for me and everything is going to be well. Right. One of the things I like when I listen to your story, you know, you attribute the successes that you face to God. You could have flipped the script to say, God is causing me all of this pain, but you do the opposite. You say, you know, these challenges came along, but God has given me the strength to overcome. And I really like that. And so I have to ask this question, you know, why is it that so many persons, you know, find it so difficult to trust God with their lives? Let's start from there. Let me answer that in the perspective of uh, our current society. Let's not go back all the <laughs> time. I want to answer you in the current generation that we are having. We have people, especially the youth that we have nowadays, that expects things so fast and so quick. Someone wants to get rich so fast. Someone wants to get married so fast. Someone wants to get these things so fast. Someone wants everything so fast. But that is not how God's work. God's kingdom is not being run that way. God's kingdom is being run by a plan. So when they cannot have that ability wait, ability to be patient, ability to see the greater picture of eternal life, they say, no, this God, no, 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 no. We want an alternative. Malon, let me assure you, Christianity is not easy. Christianity is not easy. And it's the only good thing we have. So many people fear giving their life to God because they know God's kingdom is being governed by laws and by rules. And these rules are there to prepare us to be candidates of heaven. So if you tell someone that God doesn't want you to do this, and that is what he, he or she enjoy, he says, no, your God is a very tough God. Your God is very hard. No, 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 no. We, we cannot. God said, no, keep the Sabbath holy. No, 
That's the day I want to go and, uh, to animum. That's the day I want to go and do this. So I believe that mainly working on, on behalf of the youth, I lead youths in the church. And I know that many people like to take things the easy way. And the easy way is always a dangerous way. Tell someone, no, my sister, don't come to church with short dress or a long trouser. She will tell you, God looks after my art. There is no way God will look after your art when you are disgracing him by your outside. How can that happen? It's impossible. Paul says that it's not me who lives, Christ lives in me. How can Christ live in you and wear like Satan or do things like Satan? <laughs> so <laughs> just to, to narrow down to your question, Christianity needs sacrifice and most people are not ready to sacrifice. Christianity needs patience and not many people are ready to be patient. Christianity needs to stand firm even if evils are falling. And not many people are ready for that. So they go for an easy way that will lead to eternal death. All right. People enjoy the fast lane. And when we are on the highway, it's true. You move so very fast. It's, it's thrilling. It's exciting. But if you should have an accident, then that is when you understand how devastating it can be. If there's one thing that you feel God is inviting you to do right now, you know, maybe if you could start any ministry, what would that be? And also, who would it serve? I'm feeling that God is calling me to understand Matthew 28, 18, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore unto all the worlds, baptizing them my name, in the name of the Holy, Holy Ghost, and the name of my Father. All along, as Adventist family, we have not embraced the idea of discipleship making so much. We have embraced the idea of pulpit preaching, and we are so good in that. We have great and wonderful speakers. We have embraced the idea of song ministry, and we have done so well. Our songs are so good, arranged very well, and a blessing to us. But if there's a point that we have neglected, is the old church, the old, old church, the old way of discipleship making. I find discipleship making a very critical aspect of the church today, and I find it as one way that if us, as individual level, as a church, we can embrace, we can turn this world upside down by making each and every person a disciple. So if there's one ministry that what I feel God is calling me to do, apart from leadership and so on, is the ministry to make disciples. I still pray over it, and I know that Along the time, God will open ways for us, for me to do this. We started this program in Coastal Church. We first, first run the discipleship program where we group people in small groups, around five, three, and so on. We did some test pilots with the university students. We sent small groups to go out and minister to students. And we had very wonderful reports, and then schools were closed because of COVID. I know that this is a ministry that God is calling us to. Discipleship is a platform where you don't need to be a preacher like Randy. You don't need to be a great singer. You don't need to be that great person. No, you just need to know and how to tell the love of Christ. And that is enough. You just need to know how to share your personal experience with someone and tell that person the love of God. And that person will see that indeed, this your God is not in the books. This your God lives with you. And by that, like the hymn writer says, if you cannot preach like Paul, tell them the love of God. 
you'll be a disciple and you win us all to heaven. I believe and I strongly believe that's that's where God is calling you. Amen. Go ye therefore into all the earth, teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the blessed Holy Ghost. Thanks, uh, Brian, for sharing your story today. You have been listening to my guest today, Brian Onyango. He's an aerospace engineer from Kenyatta University and also serves as a first elder of the Kenyatta University Church. So just before we go, Brian, do you have any parting words to share with our listeners? Yeah, thank you so much, Marlon. Uh, I really appreciate to share this. So that at least someone in a given part of this world may link his or her story with mine and see how depending on God in everything is beautiful and amazing. How if you just dedicate your life to God and surrender everything to God, that God is my life now, lead me. We not have stress of anything on this world because God will be in control. Just allow yourself to go to, to use you and he will take you whichever direction that he wants to take you. There's this verse that I really, really like and encourages me most. Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace are not of evil to give you a future and a hope. God is there to give us a future and a hope. And there's only one person that don't want our future to be bright, and that is Satan. Lay away from him. Run away from him and never look back. May God be with you. May God lead you. May God win your battles, fight your battles in your knees. And indeed, your battles have already been won through our Christ and our brother. Thanks for tuning in to The Upward Way. Do join us again next week as we'll have another interesting guest sharing his or her story of faith. Until then, I'm Marlon Walters saying goodbye. May God bless you. You've been listening to The Upward Way Podcast the number one audio production show for people who want encouragement and reassurance in a muddled world.